0: This is your wallet. I've got my hands full with your credit cards, ID, and that Froyo loyalty card. So I was thrilled to learn about the new digital wallet in the Giant Eagle app. It'll let you store, manage, and spend all your gift cards right from your phone. E-gift cards you buy from Giant Eagle and get will load automatically. And you can even transfer plastic gift cards there, too. Download the Giant Eagle app and start using the digital wallet today. Visit GiantEagle.com wallet for details. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. I'm Dr. Lauren Noel. I'm your host and thanks for joining me tonight. Tonight we're just going to do a question and answer show. um, starring yours truly and uh, it'll be really fun I know normally I have a guest and a set topic but I thought I'd mix it up a little bit and actually let you guys guide the show so I've compiled some questions from Facebook thanks all you guys who submitted some questions and I'm looking forward to answering them for you because I get a lot of emails and I can't always respond at least in a timely manner and give you guys the attention that you really deserve so at least I can hopefully answer them on the air and and I know that a lot of times people think their question is dumb, which is not true, because if you are curious about it, I'm sure many other people are too. So uh, let's see. What are some announcements? Let me see here. Oh, my website, DrLaurenNoel.com, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Noel. And Paleo FX is coming up next month at the end of the month, March 26th, 27th, and 28th in Austin, Texas. And I will be giving a lecture on how to go beyond the paleo diet. When the paleo diet doesn't do everything for you, what, what more can be done? So I'm going to bring the naturopathic medicine perspective to that topic. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm also excited to be um, in the midst of many of my, uh, you know, my role models and these amazing authors and these guests who are on the show, like Rob Wolf will be there, Chris Kresser, Nora Gagaudis. Diane Filippo, so I'm stoked. And hopefully you guys can join, and I'd love to meet you. If you see me, pull me aside and say, hey. Let's see here. What else for announcements? So next week, I am going to have a really great author, Christine Arillo, on the show. She is the author of Madly in Love with Me. It's really a book about falling in love with yourself, you know, we read all these books about improving relationships and finding the man of your dreams and blah, 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 but we don't ever really read about falling in love with ourselves and developing that self-love. So um, I stumbled upon the book on Amazon, as I've been doing lately. I'll just find a book I really love, and then I say, you know what? I want to have a conversation with the author. So I looked her up, and she said, yes, and here we go. So we're going to have a conversation. And um I, I had been reading her book, I'm probably about halfway through it, third of the way through it, and I started doing some of the things that she recommended in the book, like little, little, little somethings for yourself, right? So I, I wrote, I love you, Lauren, on my hand, like the inside of my hand, like junior high style. And I found myself when I was at work, I would notice it and I would just kind of smile inside, like just a nice way to acknowledge myself and just give myself that that love. And because, ladies, I know that it is amazing how many times you can just talk crap to yourself within a day, right? It's like, I mean, it is just like this autopilot of just like you're not this enough, you're not that enough, blah, blah, blah. You're this, you're that, you're fat, you're ugly, you're whatever it is we're always talking to ourselves like that, you know? And so and there, those are just brain patterns. Those are just pathways and connections in your brain that are strong and continue to, you know, send the signal over and over again. And it's like, it's like a strong muscle, you know? So it's like, it's about not using those muscles and starting to build up other muscles, like love muscles. So you can start to talk better to yourself and form a better relationship with yourself. Cause let's face it. If you talk to a partner like that, they would not stay with your butt. But you're kind of stuck with yourself, so you have to learn how to talk better to yourself. <laughs> so next week is all about falling in love with yourself it made major self-love show. Probably should have done it for Valentine's Day, but it's all good and um, should be a great one. So that will be next Tuesday at 6 o'clock. Okay, so let's hop into it to these questions, these Q&As. Let's see here. First off, let's roll with uh, – how about Dana? So Dana's question is, Any suggestions to help wrinkles without turning to Botox? Ooh, Dana, that is a good question, especially in the San Diego area because we get a lot of ladies who are loving their Botox. But it doesn't come without side effects or risks, I should say. So, yes, there are some ways to reduce wrinkles without turning to Botox. But first off, with naturopathic medicine, of course, we have to look at root cause. What causes wrinkles in the first place? And the most common things that make wrinkles form, besides obviously getting older, right, it's going to happen naturally. But the things that, that make that happen quick quicker, I was going to say quicklier, quicker are um, smoking. So if you smoke, stop. Just stop it, okay? I know it's easier said than done, but that is one of the best ways to age yourself. Um, sugar. Sugar is one of the very best ways to age you. So cut out the sugar, stick with, you know, fruits for your sweeteners, and, um, yeah, that will definitely help to slow down the clock. And also sleep. So this is an overlooked one, I think, a lot of times. When you sleep, your detox pathways in your liver become heightened. So you detox more when you're asleep. So if you miss that really crucial time for repair and for um, cleaning out, then it's going to show up on your face. In naturopathic medicine we know that the face, the skin is a window for what's happening deeper in the body and so it's a clue for us to to look deeper okay so um i would say definitely get your sleep as much as possible and um, also in darkness. You know, it's not just about sleeping in the middle of the day. It's about going to sleep a couple hours after the sun goes down and waking up with the sunrise. We are not nocturnal animals. We're meant to sleep when it's dark. So that are, those are just kind of the, the basic things, right, for, for looking at um, what causes aging. Also, free radical damage. You know, free radicals, oxidative stress, this ages you faster too. So you want to make sure to be having a diet that's high in antioxidants. So the most potent antioxidant, the most abundant antioxidant in the body is glutathione. So eating foods that are high in glutathione, also using glutathione cream on your face can be really helpful to slow that aging process. So one that I use with my patients is called OxyCell. OxyCell is made by the brand Apex. And it's a glutathione cream, so I'll have my ladies just do a couple pumps in their hands, maybe throw in some uh, frankincense or some other essential oils, rub it around their hands, and then put it on their face. And it provides just a really great um, protective, antioxidant-rich uh, cream that will, you know, definitely slow down the clock. And these are ladies who are using like, you know, super expensive creams from designers and department stores and blah blah blah. This stuff works better, and it is cheap. So I, I'm a big fan of it. Also, going back to the diet thing, bone broth. Bone broth is amazing for the skin, and it has glycine, it has glutamine in it, it has gelatin, it has collagen. It's just amazing for giving you the building blocks for your skin to rejuvenate and to heal itself. So bone broth is amazing. Uh, What else? Sun. Don't be a sun worshiper. The more you're in the sun, the more it's going to age you. So, you know, it's all about balance with that. Obviously, if you have lighter skin, you don't need to be in the sun as long to get your vitamin D. If you have darker skin, you might need to be out there for a couple of hours. It just kind of depends on the shade of your skin. And otherwise, though, you know, there's um, um, hormone creams. So if you're, you know, getting to be in your late 30s, 40s, 50s, and you're noticing that, your skin is starting to get kind of kind of wrinkly and saggy and it 's more dry. It could be a hormonal issue, so i'd recommend to get your hormones tested and see what your levels are and even using just a real low dose of estriol in a in a prescription cream just right on the face it doesn 't have the systemic absorption, so it 's not getting into your to your body and circulating it 's really staying more local into your to your skin and estriol specifically is the weakest form of estrogen just use, using a teeny tiny bit of it. And it's also the most protective estrogen for cancer. Um, can be really great at helping to kind of plump the skin back up and give it that that moisture that it's that's really missing. Okay, that was a great question, Dana. Let's see. Next question here comes from Kamal Patel. Kamal's question is: What are the most creative uses of water and earth as therapy? Interesting. Good question. Let's see, most creative uses of water. Okay, well, I don't know if this is the most creative use, but my favorite way of using hydrotherapy or water therapy is actually in the shower. (laughs) So the shower is uh, very uh, therapeutic, but specifically the temperature of the water is what I'm talking about. So when you finish up your shower, which hopefully you're using a a shower filter that's going to filter out Uh, fluoride and all the other kind of toxins in your water. Very important first step. Um, When you're done with your shower, you want to switch it to the cold cycle there, the cold rinse, and and just get a cold rinse after the end of your shower. And that's going to help to boost your metabolism and also your immune system too. So it's a great way to add in some some hydrotherapy to your daily routine. Also, one thing I talked about at one of... Actually, it was my very, very first show I did on Dr. Low Radio was with... um, Dr. Deborah Francis, and it was all about herbal medicine for colds and flus. Well, we kind of went beyond herbal medicine, talked about some hydrotherapy techniques, and one of them that I really love to use for patients when they're sick is uh, cold socks, or uh, we also call call it warming socks because nobody wants to put on cold socks. And basically what you do is when you have a fever or a cold um, or, or uh, a cold, or a sore throat, or even um, chronic headaches or migraines or anything kind of going up like in the, the top of the body, the, the upper part of the body. You can use cold socks or warming socks to help bring down congestion from the upper part down to the lower part. And also it helps to boost your immune system, and it can help to stimulate a fever, which is a good thing because fevers are actually good for you. So what you do is you start with warm feet. It has to be after getting out of the shower or the bath, and just make sure your feet are nice and toasty. And you want to take a pair of cold, wet, wrung-out cotton socks. Now, I like to throw them in the freezer for, a, for about a minute and get them super cold because I'm crazy like that, but I think it helps, helps it work better. Put it on your feet and immediately cover your feet with dry wool socks. What this does is it helps to um, stimulate your body's immune system. What happens while you're – and actually, go go to bed after that. So don't just walk around. Just go to bed, bundle up, and go to sleep. And what will happen is your body will naturally warm up the socks. So you'll wake up in the morning with dry, warm feet. You will no no longer have cold, wet socks. And um, what patients report is a lot of times they wake up um, with more energy, their fever has broken, their – pain in their throat is better, the congestion in their sinuses is better, and they report to having the best sleep that they've had in a really long time. So warming socks are an amazing old remedy that's been used for many, many years um, in the naturopathic medicine world. So um, give that a try. Uh, Earth therapy. So the most, I guess, basic one is earthing, which is a fancy word for walking on the ground barefoot. And is a actually a really great way to bring your body back into that parasympathetic mode. I mean, let's face it, most of us, we don't get outside very much, right? Unless you're, you know, an outdoorsy kind of person, you identify it as that. Most people don't. They get up in the morning, they get ready for work, they have their breakfast, they get in their car, go to work, they're at work all day, get in the car, go home, watch TV and go to sleep and do it again. That's the typical person, Right. And it's not natural for us to be inside all the time. And the most toxins we're ever exposed to are going to be indoors anyway. Even if you live in a really populated area, generally the most toxins you have is inside your house. So the more you can get out of the house, the better. And obviously keeping your house you know, more ventilated with circulating air, open up your windows and doors. But get outside and start walking around and make contact with the ground. The more that we're inside and don't get that circulating air, the more that we're exposed to things like EMFs and um, all, the, all, this, uh, you know, all these radio waves and, and frequencies, we're exposed to a lot of positive electrons, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's a positive thing to have lots of positive electrons. You want to have more negative electrons to balance that out, and so when you go outside and walk around barefoot, you, you know, contact your feet with the ground, you're touching plants, you're you're touching trees, this type of connection is going to bring more negative electrons, and it brings you back into that parasympathetic mode. So it's very, very therapeutic. And I'm, I'm sure as you guys know by now, I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but we are so overly sympathetic dominant right now. We're just exposed to just so much stress in our our worlds, and so balancing that out is just a really great idea. So that's my favorite way of doing earthing. Now, to take this question probably a step further, maybe what you meant, Kamal, is using actual earth as a therapy. So uh, my favorite way to do this is with mud. So a particular type of mud called moor mud, M-O-O-R mud. It's a type of peat moss, which is P-E-A-T moss. Now, moor mud is is a particular type of, of peat, and peat is basically it's an organic substance that's made up of the natural decomposition of plants over many, many years, thousands and thousands of years. And um, what it is, though, is it's a, it's a type of organic residue of herbs and flowers and grasses. My favorite kind of more mud is, uh, if you go to the website um, uh, torfspa.com, that's T as in Tom, O-R-F as in Frank, And what they have is a particular type of mud that is extremely healing and nourishing and detoxifying. And you can use it on your skin every single day or just as sort of a weekly or monthly therapy that you do. Um, Mud is especially powerful for for anti-aging. It's really great for chronic pain. So if you have, you know, muscle aches and pains or joint pain, this can be used to actually treat arthritis um, there's a really great study that looked at using mud to treat um, osteoarthritis pain in the knees, and it was found to be very effective for that too. Um, it's also great for hormonal imbalances, like post-surgery recovery and um, muscle recovery in sports medicine, and for mobility problems as well. So, so mud is amazing, and it's really it's been used in Europe for well over a century. These types of muds, and we're just you know kind of behind. Behind it, behind the times here in the states. But uh, check it out. Also, peat has chelating properties, which means that it it binds to heavy metals, and so it's a natural detoxifier. So I'm a huge, huge fan of mud. When I was in medical school, I was doing an herbal intensive course where we would go out in nature and pick different plants and herbs and make our own remedies. And we played with mud a lot, so we used mud you know, um, masks and body wraps, and it was just awesome. So I'm a big, big fan of mud. And, of course, you can always mud wrestle, which is super fun, too. All right, on to the next one. So this question comes from Danny. And Danny asks, is the paleo diet a good diet for people without their gallbladder? Good question, Danny. To answer this question, I want to give a little bit of background about what the gallbladder does in the first place. So the gallbladder is kind of like a bladder for gall, which is bile. That's why it's called gallbladder. Um, And what the gallbladder does is it stores and concentrates bile. Now, bile is made from the liver, and then it stores it into the gallbladder. And what is bile for? Bile helps to emulsify fat. So what does emulsify mean? Now, if you, I like to use the analogy of doing your dishes, you have a a pan with tons of grease in it, and you need to, you know, obviously if you just put a, a, like a sponge in there, it's not going to clean the grease, right? You have to throw in some soap, and what soap is, it's an emulsifier, so it breaks down the, um, you know, the grease in order to make it water-soluble so you can actually clean the pan. That's exactly what bile does. Bile breaks down the fat and emulsifies it into teeny tiny little pieces so that the enzymes can work on it and actually break it down so you can absorb it. So if you can imagine, if you don't have the bile that's concentrated in the gallbladder, you're not going to get that big um, you know, spurt of, the, of that bile into the, into the small intestines to break down the fats. So what do you do then? Do you just eat less fat? Well, I think not because you need certain fats in your body to be really healthy, right? You need, you know, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K. Those are all fat-soluble nutrients. So without enough fat, you're probably not going to absorb those enough. So those are really important. Plus, your essential fatty acids, hello, like fish oil and, you know, coconut oil is a great source of saturated fat. All of these things are so important for the body. So I don't think the answer is to just go low fat. I think the answer is to help support your digestion to work better. So unfortunately, I can't give your gallbladder back, Danny, but we can do things to actually help your gallbladder to work better, to support it, to kind of pretend like you do have a gallbladder still. So what I would recommend for that is, yes, you can keep doing your paleo diet. I think paleo diet is wonderful for virtually everybody. I do think there are some little ways to tweak it depending on the person. Um, But I would suggest to add in some digestive enzymes and some bile salts. And just start low, maybe just one with each of your meals. And then you can work up to that, you know, to two or three with meals if you need to. And, you know, some people, they can just do it for a short period of time, like when they first start to do paleo diet, and they can stop using them. Because you don't have a gallbladder, you might need to do this forever, but not as much of a big deal because then you can get all the nutrients from your diet, so it's kind of worth it. Uh, But, yes, paleo diet would be great for you, even without a gallbladder. All right, so next up is a question from Melissa. And Melissa writes, as an estrogen-dominant woman, how can I increase progesterone naturally? I currently am using compounded progesterone for severe PMS and would like to get to the root of this deficiency. So, Melissa, super common question. I see this all the time. And so many of us ladies nowadays are estrogen-dominant. So what's going on with this? Why are so many of us dealing with this? You know, I think that the main issues with this, Melissa, is is environmentally related. We have so many estrogen-like chemicals in our environments now, whether it's in the food or in the air from the toxins or pesticides or um, the plastics, and all of these things are adversely affecting our hormones. So I recommend doing a detox every year for sure, but at least every six months if you can. Um, and so that'll help to, you know, make sure that the liver is clearing out those excess estrogens. So that's number one is detox. You have to get to the root though. If you're, if you're exposed to all different kinds of, you know, chemicals in your lotions and your creams in your house cleaners, pesticides in the fruits and vegetables and eating meat that has hormones, then this is all going to affect, you know, how your body works and how your hormones are going to be balanced. So take out those, those, um, those toxins right away and then detox. So it's kind of like pressing the reset button. Once you do that, then you can look at what are other ways to help support your hormones. So one would be adrenal support. If you have adrenal fatigue, adrenal dysregulation, want to get that addressed first. And then also um, making sure that you're getting enough sleep. We definitely know that sleep affects hormone balancing, so sleeping in complete darkness, you know, wearing an eye mask or sleeping in a completely dark room, you know, a couple hours after the sun goes down is great for helping to um, optimize hormone levels. Also, another reason why we know that progesterone can be deficient in some women is hypothyroidism. So the thyroid and the proge- and progesterone, they work on similar receptors, and so if you have low hormone levels, low thyroid hormone levels, Oftentimes, you can have progesterone deficiency as well. So get your hormones tested for thyroid. So uh, when you go to your doctor, you want to ask for TSH, that's thyroid-stimulating hormone, as well as T3 and T4, specifically free T3 and free T4, and also your thyroid antibodies. The thyroid antibodies are also known as TPO, which is thyroid peroxidase antibody, and thyroid binding, sorry, thyroid binding globulin antibody. Okay, so those two you want to make sure you ask for because if those are are off, then it could be a thyroid problem. Uh, Let's see, besides that, other things to help increase progesterone naturally, Vitex. Vitex is an herb also known as chaseberry. And the way that chaseberry works is it helps to increase luteinizing hormone, which then triggers the release of progesterone. So um, those are some natural treatments you can try to help, help increase progesterone. And, you know, for some ladies, they just have to do some bioidentical progesterone, you know. But I, I'm, I'm a big fan of really doing all the other work first before just throwing a hormone at somebody. Okay, so I would strongly strongly recommend to um, try those other things first. And then if all else fails, you've got your bioidentical hormones. Melissa also writes, what do I think about supplementing with DIM? So DIM stands for diendolomethane. Another name for it could be I3C, which is indolyl 3 carbonyl. Basically, you put two of the I3Cs together, and then you get DIM. What are all these fancy names? Basically, this is a constituent in broccoli or other types of brassica vegetables like um, cauliflower, brussels sprouts, and they're extremely protective for your hormones. That's why they always say for hormone balancing, eat lots of broccoli. It's because of this chemical. So what these, um, these types of vegetables do, it helps to metabolize the estrogen to more cancer-protective types of estrogen. So estrogen is, is a, a funny hormone. It can be metabolized into all different kinds of ways. Certain times it can turn into more cancer-causing um, types of estrogens and other times, you know, depending on the right circumstances, if your body is, is in balance, it'll, it'll turn into, um, cancer protective types of estrogen. So DIM is one that helps to move it into the more protective state. So yes, you can have a ton of broccoli. Would it do enough in order to really promote that conversion? Maybe, maybe not. But, um, for my ladies who I test their hormones and, you know, we're not really liking the way that the estrogens look, I'll definitely put them on some DIM. So I'm a huge fan of DIM. I approve of that. Melissa's other question was, do you think supplementing with fermented cod liver oil is sufficient when trying to maintain or increase your vitamin D levels, especially in the winter? I would say for maintaining, yes, but for increasing your vitamin D, definitely not. I don't see that the cod liver oil is a therapeutic dose to get your vitamin D levels up. In my experience, we have to dose up, you know, pretty high, 6,000, 10,000 or so to really get the levels higher, um, definitely more than 5,000 IUs per day. And it's very safe, so I, I very rarely I worry about dosing high for vitamin D. Usually I just do it in a shot just because it's absorbed really well, but for those you know, people who are afraid of shots, we'll do, um, we'll do oral supplementation, and it's just fine. And then you want to make sure to get your vitamin D levels checked. So um, you know, every three months or so, make sure you're checking that out and making sure your levels look good. The range that I like to see for patients is above a 70. So 70, it's nanograms per deciliter and unfortunately the reference range that comes back from the lab usually if it's below above a 30 i believe or 35 they say that it's fine but we know in the research for what is the most protective for cancer is actually above 70. so um i disagree with those ranges and always keep in mind too that the ranges you get from the labs are always based on averages of people who go to get their blood drawn which is not ideal nobody wants to be compared to the average american So that's not optimal. So, yeah, so um, I I definitely think that the vitamin D um, levels should be on the high side and certainly for cancer protection and also autoimmune um, prevention as well. All right, next up is a question from Carlene, and she writes, is cinnamon really good for high blood pressure and insulin resistance? And if so, what is the best kind to use and how much? Great question. We hear this all the time, that cinnamon is really great for those two things. And is it really true? So, yes, it is true that cinnamon is, is effective for um, increasing insulin sensitivity and also um, mildly for for high blood pressure. It's not a really strong herb for that. So what I do in cases um, for, of high blood pressure and insulin resistance, I'll actually use a blend. Um, so, of course, you know, taking it back to diet and exercise, right, You've got to make sure that you're, you're doing um, a good paleo diet and you're, you know, doing, um, you know, weight-bearing exercise and, and interval trainings to obviously work on the insulin sensitivity of the cells. Those are both extremely important. So if that's not happening, please definitely do those. Um, But I like to use cinnamon in a blend with other things. So I'll usually do um, a teaspoon of cinnamon a day for people, as well as chromium. So chromium is a great mineral, about 1,000 micrograms a day, at least, I would say. But you can even dose up to up to 6,000 micrograms a day of chromium. Um, and then, of course, doing, you know, a low glycemic diet. So if you're going paleo, you're not going to be just going crazy on fruits. You're doing more of the healthy grass-fed meats and then the veggies and um, kind of sticking off, sticking to more um, low glycemic fruits, so berries and that kind of thing too. A um, couple of other ideas with that, definitely fish oil, magnesium. So I do about 400 uh, milligrams of magnesium before bed. And then, of course, fiber too. So those are all some great ways to help to reduce um, blood pressure and and to work on insulin sensitivity. So great question. Another thing diet-wise is to add in some celery. So just three stalks of celery a day can help to reduce blood pressure as well. All right, next up is Danny again. He would like to know, what are good nutrition and health books that I recommend? Ooh, that's a tough one because I love me some books. Let's see, nutrition books. I would have to say that my favorite nutrition book right now that I use with most patients would be Practical Paleo. I think that Diane Sanfilippo has done a really great job of putting together a nice resource that kind of includes everything in it. You know, which types of foods are best, what you should avoid, um, especially tailoring it to the different details about people. So if you have a thyroid problem, do this. If you have more of an um, autoimmune type of condition, do this kind of diet. So I use that a lot for patients and it makes my job a lot easier. So I really, really love that book. I also really like the book, It Starts With Food by Melissa and Dallas Hartwig. So it's a nice book to start with if you're new to the paleo diet, new to more of a primal way of eating and really just don't know much about nutrition. They, I think they break it down and make it really simple. So I love that book too. I also really love anything by Michael Pollan. So In Defense of Food, The Omnivore's Dilemma, absolutely love his writing. He has like a poetic kind of flow to him while also mixing that with nutrition, and I just love it. I love the way that he writes. Uh, Cookbook-wise, I really love Make It Paleo by um, uh, Haley and Bill Staley, and um, that's just awesome. Every single recipe I've ever made from that book is amazing. So, and their photography is wonderful. I love when there's a huge, you know, full page photo for each full page recipe. It's just very satisfying for me to flip through because I cannot stand a cookbook that doesn't have pictures. <laughs> so, um that's my favorite cookbook and then I really love The Mood Cure and The Diet Cure by Julia Ross. So, if you haven't read those, highly recommend picking up both of those books. And a more naturopathic type of book I would recommend would be Herbal Medicine from the Heart of the Earth. I know it's a super hippy-dippy type title, but it's awesome. I used it all the time in medical school, and I love to refer to it just to get a refresher about different herbs to use for different patients. Um, that's by Cheryl Tilgner, So it's S-H-A-R-O-L-T as in Tom, I-L-G-N-E-R. And it is wonderful if you want to learn how to make herbal concoctions at home and kind of just throw things together, and um, it's really great. And let's see, other books that I love. I've just been really into more, like, mindset books and um, personal growth. I'm reading right now the, um, The War of Art, and not The Art of War. I know you guys thought that. It's The War of Art um, by Stephen Pressfield and I, and I'm, I'm obsessed with this book. I'm, I'll be sitting there with my boyfriend. I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, I need to read you this, this page. Can I, can I read this to you? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so absolutely love his writing. Very, very inspirational. And, um, yeah, I think those are my favorite books. Good question. What about you guys? Do you guys have a favorite book, something that you can't stop reading or something that I have to read or maybe a, an author that I have to have on the show? Send me a message. I'd love to hear from you guys. You can always write to me on my website, com to send me a message. I read all of them, and um, I'd love to hear your feedback and who you absolutely love to read. All right, couple more questions. This question is from... Uh, do, 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 I just saw it. Where is it? Oh, this is by Jefferson, and he wants to know, do you know if and how does a paleo diet influence testosterone levels in males? Does it improve it? Really good question, Jefferson, and I would venture to say, yes, I do think that the paleo diet, although I can't say I've done pre- and post-testing to see that there's been an improvement in testosterone, but just knowing what I know about biochemistry I would say that it would have the the most optimizing effect on hormones from any kind of diet out there. I say this for um, two main reasons. One, I would say that the the paleo diet helps to control insulin surges. It helps to balance blood sugar. Why this is important for, for hormones for a man is because for a man, when there's insulin surges, or spikes in in, in blood sugar, what happens to his testosterone is it gets aromatized. So there's a particular herb called the aromatase enzyme that, that turns it into estrogen. So a man can technically become more like a woman if he eats a sugary diet and has insulin surges happening. So eating a diet like the paleo diet, it prevents those surges from happening as much, which would, in theory, not let that conversion happen as readily. Okay, So I would say from that standpoint, it's better. Um, than other diets for helping testosterone. The other way that I can see that this would happen would be uh, the central obesity, kind of that midsection part, Um, especially for men. That can accumulate, you know, drinking beer, obviously, and just having a high glycemic diet, you know, high processed food diet. So when you replace those kind of foods with, with, you know, high protein sources and, and good fats and lower carbs, like with a paleo kind of diet, that belly starts to go away. Now, why is that such a big deal for hormones? Well, the belly especially is where estrogen is made. So the fat that, that's stored in the midsection is like an organ. So it can, it can make a lot of estrogen. That's why men who have bigger tummies can sometimes have more fat accumulation in their chest area, also known as man boobs. So, you know, that, from that perspective, the paleo diet is certainly better for, for uh, testosterone levels too. All right, so the last question for tonight is from Bridson. Bridson wants to know, what are some natural ideas to heal inflammation of the stomach? Example, heartburn, gastritis, and acid reflux. Oh, my gosh, Bridson! I love this question because my passion is digestive health. I love talking about digestive disorders and especially poop. So I appreciate this question from you. And the first thing, of course, that I'll always touch on is what's the root cause of, of what you're writing about? So what could be causing inflammation of the stomach in the first place? The most common causes of inflammation in the stomach is, number one, H. pylori. This is a bacteria that likes to hang out in the stomach and the small intestine. So if you are having inflammation like some ulcers or gastric um, gastric reflux or acid reflux, then you want to make sure to get tested for H. pylori. Go to your doctor. They'll test you either with a breath test or a stool test. I can also test you as well, too, if you don't know who to go and see for that. So if that's the case, that's got to be treated. If that's not the case, then other things that can cause the same types of symptoms would be uh, food sensitivities. So grains or dairy are the most common ones. Also things like spicy foods, you know, tomatoes, peppers, um, coffee is another big one, and chocolate. Um, And then also, you know, dairy is a big one too. So, So if you have a sensitivity to grains or dairy, removing those, that right there could do the trick just in and of itself. Other things, though, that can actually heal the gut lining. So there's some really great herbs for that. The first one that I would mention is slippery elm. Slippery elm, the bark specifically, made into a powder. When you mix that up with some boiling hot water and make it into like a paste, you can actually eat that like a food. You can eat it, you know, once a day, up to three times a day, and that right there will help to just heal the gut lining. It's a wonderful agent to heal ulcers, um, esophagitis, which is inflammation of the esophagus, and um, it's just very, very healing to the gut. And it just I kind of just like the taste of it. When I'm eating it, it just have this, has this earthy taste, and it just feels like it's good for me. You can add in some cinnamon to make it taste better or even have it with some um, some applesauce. And just search online, you know, the um, slippery elm bark powder. You'll find it, and it's very inexpensive, and it's wonderful. Um, other ideas for that would be marshmallow root powder. It's another one. Um, and also licorice root. All of those can be very healing for the gut. Um, An amino acid called L-glutamine can also be really great for healing the gut lining, too. A couple products I like are RepairVite by Apex. So if you don't want to make your own, you can order some uh, RepairVite by Apex. And then also GI GI Repair Powder by Vital Nutrients. I guarantee you, if you do those things, your gut will heal, and you won't have those heartburn symptoms anymore. So it's really amazing stuff. Uh, Let's see here. I'm going to take one more question. This is from um, Eric. He he says, hemorrhoids, please, I have one. (laughs) I guess that's his plea for me to help heal his hemorrhoids. Um, Eric, the same suggestions that I gave to Britson in the previous question, I would recommend for you, too. Okay, so... um, I would recommend to go grain-free, to go dairy-free. Take out the soy, the corn, the sugar out of your diet. So really do an anti-inflammatory elimination diet. And um, also, um, I would also recommend to look up um, Bottoms Up Balm. This is a a remedy made by Wise Woman Herbals. And it is a suppository made with some really healing herbs that are in some cocoa butter. And you can actually insert that. Um, into the the, um, the anus, which will help to heal the, the tissue and the hemorrhoids. Also, if you have hemorrhoids that are lingering, that aren't going away, there's a particular type of surgery. It's actually not a surgery. It's an alternative to surgery. But it's a it's a technique you have to get done from a doctor who knows what they're doing, and it's called the Kesey technique. It's spelled K-E-E-S-E-Y, Kesey technique. This is a therapy where they... Um, Basically will apply some um electrostimulation, and I know that sounds awful right to the to the butt, but <laughs> it's above the area where you actually have nerve endings, so they apply that apply that stimulation which will make the tissues shrink okay so it can be really really beneficial for people who have, have hemorrhoids or skin tags that kind of hang outside of the the buttocks area, the rectal area, and um, can shrink those back up into the uh, the anal canal, which is great, and it's an alternative to surgery. So I would recommend to check that out if the other techniques don't work for you, okay? Uh, let's see here. I think I'm going to wrap up for that tonight. i got to get to an event. And, um, again, thank you guys so much for tuning into my show. Next week's show, I can't remember if I mentioned this at the beginning. I think I did. I'm going to be interviewing... Christine Arillo, she is the author of Madly In Love With Me, and it is a just really an ode to loving yourself, and that's going to be next week's show, Tuesday at 6 o'clock, and we're going to talk about how you can develop a crazy love relationship with yourself, and I know that sounds so narcissistic, and it's like, geez, get over yourself, Dr. Lowe, right? But the reality is, is so many of us, and you ladies, I'm talking to you, you're hard on yourselves, you know? we really have this this just, just just like this running tape that's always going on about you're not this enough, you're not that enough. And I'm sick of it because I do it myself. And it's like I don't even see myself as other people do. I mean, I do the same thing. I walk around all day like I'm, I'm not smart enough. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'll never do this, never do that. And it's like it is just crap, right? It's not true. It's a lie <laughs> that we tell ourselves. And I'm really committed to developing um, a really um, – healthy balanced relationship with myself that is one of example to others that really allows them to have the same for themselves too you know and and i'm committed that people that all people are are empowered that all people are connected all people are free and how can i fulfill on that when i am continually talking down to myself it's like it's not going to happen you know so that's that's the the journey that I'm on for myself, and I'm sure so many of you guys are in the same boat too because we all do the same thing, right? All of us think we're not something enough. So tune into the show, check out our book, Madly in Love With Me, and let's start this dialogue of of starting to relate to ourselves as our loved ones because if you were to talk to your man like that or your husband like that, he would have left you a long time ago, but you know. You're kind of stuck with yourself. So you gotta you gotta stick with it and develop a, a more loving relationship with yourself. All right, y'all, rocking and rolling. Have a wonderful evening. Check me out, drlaurennowell.com. I love you guys. I love that you listen to my show. I love being able to do what I do. And I am just so in awe of all of you. And have a wonderful rest of your evening. And I'll check you guys next week, okay? And go to PaleoFX. Check out Paleo the, the com. And I want to see you in Austin so we can party it up and geek out about nutrition and all things primal. Okay, have a great night. Bye. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back.